2: Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Delato. Tonight we're here to break down, and hopefully that wasn't breaking because it mic just fell. and I, It looks like it's still working. It didn't break, but a little readjustment there. Let's see if it's still plugged in. Sorry for the tech difficulties. But tonight, we are here to hopefully not break any equipment in this house and instead break down the New York Giants football offense on the All-22 film. Now, I want to caveat something here. So I was just going over it with Nick. We just have our usual pre-pod discussion. This isn't going to be the most rosy podcast. I'm sorry to say, our job is not to be overly optimistic. Our job is to tell it like it is. Our job is to be objective. Our job is to break down the film. And this was really bad film on the offensive side of the ball. Specifically, this was really bad film for the quarterback. I know there are the excuses out there. The offensive line is not good. But to be quite frank, there are a lot of bad offenses lines around the NFL right now and I'm not so sure that the quarterbacks are playing as poorly as we've seen in recent weeks from Daniel Jones. I'm starting to lose a little bit of faith. We'll talk a little bit about that. He's just stacking too many bad reps in my mind. There's too many games like this one where it's just a lot of bad and very little good, despite, and I know, the fact that the offensive line is bad. So we're going to talk tonight about a lot of that. I mean, we have to be objective as this. We're going to talk about all of his misses, and there are a lot of missed throws in this one. We're going to talk about some of his bad processing moments, and there were a lot of bad moments of that, too. We're going to talk a little bit about bad ball placement because there were some really bad ball placement in this game by Jones as well. And we'll also talk about some of the things he did well because it's not like he did everything wrong in this game. So we're going to talk about Jones. We'll talk about the line. We'll talk about all the plays that we want to
1: break down. Nick, where do you want to start this one tonight? First, we should start with the fact that Mike Glennon is going to be the signal caller more than likely against Miami, which does not inspire any hope for many Giants fans. And as as low as we may perceive Daniel Jones in this game, he didn't have the best of games. Daniel Jones certainly seems like he gives the Giants the best chance to win. Now, if Mike Glenn goes out there and he starts slinging the football and the Giants are able to move the football adequately and create explosive plays with Mike Glenn, then there's going to be a real big question because Miami's defense is really surging at the moment.
2: Yeah, Jones expected to miss at least one game potentially more Hopefully not more, because I agree with you. He gives them the best chance to win right now. Uh, at least, you know, what he's shown until the last, I don't know, four or five weeks. These last four or five weeks, I think, are up there of the worst we I've seen from Daniel Jones on film, if I'm being completely objective and honest. And again, this is not me taking sides. I'm not trying to do that. Everybody, please understand. This is just simply what I've seen on film and what a lot of us have seen on film, in my mind. Um, Nick included, really, all the people who have broken it down. But I still think it gives him a much better chance to win than Mike Glennon. And I think you would agree with that, Nick. And I also think that I don't see Mike Glennon coming out here and lighting the world up against his Miami defense, like you said. The Dolphins are starting to play really well on the defensive side of the ball. They've built their defense almost exactly the same as the Giants from back to front with the coverage starting to show up just like the Giants defense is starting to show up with the coverage. They're actually starting to blitz a lot more. They're playing man a lot more, which I don't think is a good thing for Mike Glennon. I think Glennon will throw, will turn the ball over at a higher rate than Daniel Jones has as far as the interceptions go. At least I know Jones has, has turned it over at a decently high rate in recent weeks, but I think Glennon puts the ball at risk more often. So I think it's going to be an interesting how they're going to have the game, but I think it's going to be an even more conservative game plan for the giants. And that's kind of maybe where we should start when we're breaking down this game. When I, when we talked about it on the, on the recap, Nick, I I, I felt strongly that Freddie kitchens and Joe judge kind of went into a shell after taking a lead and they stopped attacking as much. And it felt to me like this game started with, a lot of passes on first downs and you even wrote in your notes. So I think you kind of agree more vertical type concepts early in the game. And those start to fade a little bit toward the end in the middle of the game. Do you think that was by design? Do you think that was because they didn't really feel comfortable with Jones operating those, those concepts? Because I mean, I mean, Jones didn't take, pull the trigger on the first down one. And he, we can break that play down. Now, first play of the game, the, the the underneath throw, he ends up uh, dumping to Saquon Barkley with bad ball placement that doesn't give Barkley a chance. There was an open shot there vertically and he didn't take it. So what were your thoughts on that play and kind of the overall idea that they kind of went into a bit of a shell?
1: Yeah, I don't like the fact that they went into a bit of a shell. They just couldn't get a lot going on the ground. It seemed like they wanted to run the football on first down in that middle part of the game and every time they did that, it put them into a unfortunate second and 9, second and 11, sometimes, you know, second and what was it? The one play Darius Lee yeah. in 13 yards? So it was just, yeah. it wasn't working out for them. And then they just kind of did what they always do get really conservative because they're concerned about their offensive line, which I felt like played a little bit better in terms of pass protection in this game. Although they did struggle with some stunts and I, I don't think any of them p- played particularly well, which is kind of uh, maybe a product of the fact that it was a conservative offense, but to touch on that first play, I really like the play design here because the giants anticipated a too high Defense from the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's exactly what they get. So the Giants go empty with four receivers, one being an H-back to the field side. And what the Giants do is they release the H-back who's basically stacked right behind Evan Ingram. So you have two eligible receivers right next to each other, just off of Andrew Thomas. The one who's on the line of scrimmage is Evan Ingram. He's going to run a deep over route right towards the weak side safety. And then Chris Myrick is kind of going to loop around him in another vertical concept going in between the safeties. And while that's happening, the number two receiver to that side expands vertically outside of the numbers. Now this is a two high defense. So now you have three vertical concepts against two defenders deep this is something that daniel jones should have saw and i know it's a five-man protection he might be a little bit skittish there but there was only four defenders rushing so daniel jones has to read that cornerback to see if he sinks or if he stays on saquon barkley the cornerback number three stays on saquon barkley so what does that tell you you're going to have that three on two and someone is going to be open and if you watch this play chris myrick clears the linebackers and he is wide open but As he clears the linebackers, Daniel Jones is already throwing the football to Saquon Barkley and it goes incomplete. If he was a little bit more patient there, Dan, he's going to have either Chris Myrick or Darius Slayton wide open. And those are the types of things that we talk about. Daniel Jones has to see. He has to throw with anticipation here, be a little bit more patient, maybe take a little bit more risk here instead of throwing a ball inaccurately to Saquon Barkley, who is well covered with essentially four defenders who are going to rally and tackle him right as he catches the football if it was an accurate pass
2: right i mean it's the it's the full slate of things you don't want to hear there. bad ball placement at the end but also just not reading the play right and not and not 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 anticipating the play right either and it's just it, it's unfortunate on this play i wanted to go over another play on that drive it's the third down play the it was three and out the first drive uh quarter one thirteen fifty nine third and five here so to me nick I really like the natural pick, uh, the rub route that Kitch- the call from Kitchens creates here. So it, it gets Cooper open here, and it's not a penalty. They don't throw the flag. I think if this play is designed for Jones to see it and throw back shoulder, it's basically an easy chunk gain. It's an easy 12 to 15-yard gain, maybe more. If he throws it and he leads him, who knows how long this could be. Solder blows his block so fast that I can't really ever tell if Jones was going to look there because it doesn't really look like he's looking in that exact direction. So so I'm not exactly sure if Solder, you know, if we can blame Jones for this and if he was even looking that direction, especially because, you know, you see Price and Hernandez screw up the easy uh, stunt on the inside. But I like that. I wanted to bring it up because I do like that play design. And and I'm curious if you if you felt the same way, like they kind of missed a chunk there uh, with with Cooper, who was kind of wide open there.
1: I don't put this one on Daniel Jones because the protection is literally sure. abysmal. You have Solder getting killed. You have a well himself, really well executed stunt up front where 97 just breaks away from Billy Price and he gets picked because Will Hernandez kind of just gets shoved right into Billy Price. There's really not much Price can do in that situation. And Hernandez follows with the penetrator. So there's just a wide open B gap coming right in on Daniel Jones. And if you watch the end zone copy, you can see Jones, his eyes goes to Farrell Cooper right right off the snap he he kind of flashes that I feel like Avante Maddox did an excellent job working over the top of the vertical release from Darius Slayton to kind of close with on Farrell Cooper but you're right back shoulder this would have been a completion to Farrell Cooper and it would have been moved the chains but you could see Jones he feels the pressure right away and he kind of just snaps his eyes to the middle of the field where he knows Evan Ingram is and he throws a football this is kind of actually but we're gonna Tell the truth about this. This is kind of reckless by Daniel Jones because he kind of just throws the football where two defenders are. Evan Ingram's not open. He doesn't know if Evan Ingram is open here. He just feels the pressure and knows he has to get rid of the football. He's trying to make a play, but this easily could have been intercepted by either Singleton or number 28 here.
2: Yeah. Without a doubt. Ultimately it's not a good throw. It's not a good decision, but the blame here is on the offensive line. So I did just want to get your take on that. We can, we can move forward to the second series here. I have a lot to talk about on that second series. The one where they start to move the ball. I don't know if you have a starting point where you want
1: to get to. I mean, I like the first play call, to be honest, nothing yep. really happens, but this is something that we saw Freddie kitchens and Jason Garrett use in the past with Kadarius, Tony, you get a, receiver Darius Tony or Saquon Barkley going fast three towards the two receiver side so as we say it's a fast three now the defense has to shift their coverage and account for the fact that you're going to have a receiver who was not there prior to the pre-snap movement running in that direction towards two receivers who can block for him and Daniel Jones goes into the zone read and throws him the pass it's just there's not a lot of space to operate in the block's of the block of Pharaoh Cooper isn't exactly excellent either. And it's actually really just played excellently by the Philadelphia Eagles. But I like that play design and that kind of play call just didn't really work out here.
2: Yeah. One thing I liked from Kitchens here in this game, and it seemed like more early on than toward the end when they went into that little bit of a shell and they started running so often on early downs, kind of trying to milk that lead the Joe Judge way. But early on, what I liked was there was a concerted effort to get Barkley the ball in space and to utilize Barkley Mm -hmm. as a weapon in the passing game. It didn't exactly work the way they wanted it to in any of these examples, really. But The effort's there, and that's something Kitchens was doing that I didn't really think uh, Jason Garrett did a great job of. And that's something I think is extremely important if you're going to have Saquon Barkley on your roster. And so I did like the early designs here from Kitchens, throwing a lot early and often on first downs, you know, beginning of the game before they took the lead. Uh, putting Barkley in positions where he can get the ball in space as a receiver, vertical concepts, like you talked about that were, you know, more prevalent early on in the game. A lot of things we like, a lot of things we believe in, uh, me and you, I mean, just from a football standpoint, believing can generate points, uh, ultimately. So one thing I like here, obviously we can talk about the next play. It was the second and nine from the giants 37 for anyone following along 11:36 q1 this is the throwback flea flicker screen what i like so much about this is you kind of see those second level eagles defenders they backtrap pretty deep into coverage they don't really buy the play. they don't buy the flea flicker they don't buy the run but it doesn't matter that's how good the design is because they don't buy the run, but they're fleeing. They're kind of drop The minute they choose that, they, they know that's going to be a flea flicker. They're dropping. They're expecting a deep throw. That's what you usually get from the flea flicker. And that leaves that underneath route, the tight end screen, open with a ton of space. And the Giants pull off a really nice chunk gain here. Uh, and it was just awesome to see.
1: Yeah, it was great to see. You literally have four Giants blockers, five if you want to count Will Hernandez, who's kind of trailing a little bit, and Devante Maddox. And that's it. And Evan Ingram does a great job kind of setting up these blocks, finding a hole, and then exploding through it for a nice 20-yard gain, very well designed. And you're right, those linebackers bail once they realize it's not a run. And that was the exact design that Freddie Kitchen. Envision. So, I mean, this is a well-timed play call a second and nine. You need to hit a chunk play here. It's something the giants significantly struggled to do. So in order to do that, you kind of have to throw a little bit of trickery in here. And the giants did just that here.
2: And then I want to talk about the next play, Nick, cause it's kind of the opposite. I felt like this was a good example of kind of what Barkley's struggling with right now, because the giants get a favorable look to run in my mind. The linebackers are playing really deep here. They really got a lot of favorable looks and we'll talk about that a little bit, but uh, and a little bit later, but I think Barkley just has to have better vision, man. I mean, I, I've seen Jonathan Taylor turn this exact style, you know, exact look into a big gain. Who knows how long Barkley turns it into zero? And really, the, the, the problem with Barkley right now is that you just see too many examples of him in these spots, kind of running where he's supposed to run, running where the play is supposed to be blocked to, instead of kind of. Picking the right hole and readjusting and having the processing uh, here. So he turns this into nothing. And it just felt like he left a lot of yards on the field here.
1: He does that a lot, man. He's, he's a player that in college, his big knock was he tries to bounce everything outside and out athlete college players. And he was able to do that in the NFL. You're not going to be able to do that. Although he is an incredible athlete, but he has struggled to, to really find the hole when it's open. And he does kind of stay on script for rushing attacks. And it didn't necessarily happen too bad on this play, but there were other plays where he was following his blockers. And that's what you're supposed to do. But if you look, you can see a crevice. You can see a cutback lane that he just doesn't hit. And you see the Dalvin Cooks and the Nick Chubbs and the Jonathan Taylors of the world find those holes constantly. And it's not something that you see often from Saquon Barkley. And this hole right here on this first and 10, 10 53 left in the first quarter, that is a gigantic hole. Now, TJ Edwards is in the gap he's about five yards off though so i will take saquon barkley running with a full head of steam directly at tj edwards any day of the week but he tries to get cute here and follow the block of billy price who's just using the upfield push of the defensive lineman against him and there's just not a lot there when there was a gigantic hole that he could have ran through i just think saquon barkley man the vision has always been an issue that you and i have talked about and it hasn't improved and i know he's been dinged up and he's been injured and all that but it's still something that we see almost every game dan we bring up oh well there was a hole here or there was a hole there and it's just something that if you're one of the best running backs in the national football league you find those holes and saquon barkley doesn't what's going on everyone football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find giants tickets anymore because tick pick that's t-i-c-k p-i-c-k is the original no fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as you go to find NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge. Aren't those terrible? Which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it, if you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's a pretty good deal. If you just wanna go check out the Giants, you know, pregame. hopefully they win a football game, then please head on over to tickpick.com today to save ten dollars on your first order of giants tickets that's tickpick.com check it out everyone
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Zegman Darkly has, has struggled to find those holes. And it's something that we hope moving forward that can that can get better. But there were a couple examples. There's also a lot of examples of the blocking being so bad that it just doesn't really matter. I mean, there's the second and ten play here right after that, where Jones has to bail immediately. Hernandez just gives up ground immediately. Um, this is also one of those plays where you mentioned, you know, it felt like on the broadcast, Andrew Thomas had a much better game than maybe here. He ultimately did. This was one example where he got beat around the edge. This was, and it's new for him. I mean, he has, he has been really, really good as of late until, you know, but there were a few examples of him getting beat around the edge. At least he drives the defender to the ground though. Hernandez kind of just gives up ground immediately on this one.
1: Yeah. Hernandez is not a great football player right now he gives up a lot of ground he's very inconsistent for somebody who's as strong as he is you would expect him to be more of a just pillar on the offensive line and he's just not especially when he allows defenders get to get to his half man and he doesn't stay square which is something that he doesn't necessarily do a great job at and on this play second and 10 10 27 left in the first quarter i thought pharaoh cooper was open once he passed that apex defender a little bit right before there was about 10 yards between him and the safety and the safety is not driving downhill but daniel jones since he had to step in the pocket he does keep his eyes downfield it seems like but he doesn't pull the trigger on Farrell cooper here and again like we always talk about windows are very small in the nfl and i felt like jones maybe could have thrown the football i don't think this is an egregious miss but if you do watch it you can see there is plenty of space between Farrell cooper and the three defenders that kind of form a triangle around him because of the coverage that they were in
2: yeah, unfortunately, though, on the on this spot, I mean, Jones, when rolling to his right, has not been very accurate throwing the football. He's a very good athlete, but he's not a great thrower on the run. It's not a trait I would say is a plus thing for him. I'd have I'd almost have to knock it as a minus. Where would you where would you put his throwing on the run accuracy and just overall ability to throw while running? You do,
1: like, am I putting a numerical a numerical value on it right now?
2: I would say, yeah, I mean, no, you don't have to put a numerical value. I just kind of wanted to know if you saw that any different.
1: No, I don't. I mean, when, when's the last time you've seen him make like a, a very impressive throw on the run where you're like, oh, wow, that was just a rip, you know, off balance. You know, he didn't have his feet set. What a throw. You see that stuff from Josh Allen. You see that stuff from Justin Herbert. And at this point we know Daniel Jones is not that. but Daniel Jones is still an athletic quarterback who likes to get out of the pocket, move the pocket type plays rollouts, get him out on the run. And he doesn't make those throws consistently enough in my opinion.
2: Yeah, he really doesn't make them often. So in which case, you really need him to kind of never bail from the pocket. Like he did it a lot versus Tampa. He didn't do it as much in this game. You almost need him to get a lot better at adjusting where he is in the pocket, maybe sliding a little bit left. doing You know, the things that Brady and Breeze did to make a living in the NFL. Slide, reset, slide, reset, step up, reset. And because he's not a good thrower on the run, he really needs to be grounded from inside that pocket. And this is an example where he does bail. Obviously, the protection isn't great. Hernandez gives it up early. But maybe if he slides to the left, and resets. He has a shot here. I don't know. All I know is that when he does bail right and starts to move laterally to his right, he's not accurate on the run and he doesn't see it well on the run. And he doesn't throw it well on the run. So it's almost like you're, you're looking at a dead play unless he runs with the ball. Um, and so this one obviously ultimately doesn't work out as a gain, a nice rip from Jones to keep the drive alive on third and eight, nothing really to say there.
1: I want to bring up something. Yeah. So, cause Freddie kitchens, it, well, first off, Jason Garrett is somebody who's much maligned for using stick concepts. Well, Freddie kitchens used stick quite effectively in this game and that's yeah. one of the things that we talked about there in the offseason was look i understand people don't like stick but stick has a place in the nfl and this kind of play right here to evan ingram was a third and eight they picked up 7 yards and then they got the fourth and one on the ensuing play of daniel jones quarterback sneak but what daniel jones is doing here is he's reading that linebacker right because you have a 3 by 1 set and you have two defenders over the two receivers of evan ingram kind of off the line of scrimmage on the hash two point stance and he's going up against that linebacker. And that linebacker is in the middle of the field. And he's shaded a little bit towards the hash. But that's just a game. That's just space right there. You know, once you snap the football, if TJ Edwards doesn't flow initially right towards Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram's going to be open on this stick concept. That's exactly what happens. TJ Edwards just kind of backpedals and kind of laterally flows a little bit, but not close enough to cover this Evan Ingram stick route. And Daniel Jones reads this well, fires the football, it's a catch, and then almost basically a first down. And we saw a lot of, we're going to go over more plays, a lot of stick be used well by Freddie Kitchens in this game. A lot of it out of empty as well.
2: Yeah, he did a much better job using stick than Garrett did. Um, I want to talk about the next play after the fourth down conversion. It was the first and 10 in quarter one, 826. This was, to me, a, a good example of where Jones is really lacking in year three. Uh, one thing he does okay here is he steps up nice into the pocket, he even looks at one point, like he's reading it, right? He's hitching into a throw, but he hesitates. And ultimately he runs and scrambles for 10, 14 yards. It's fine. It's great, but it's not always going to work like that. These scrambles aren't always going to get yards. Sometimes they're going to lead to fumbles. Like we've seen, sometimes they're going to lead to injuries. Like we saw this game, what really needs to happen here. He's got to have a lot better anticipation And there's two deep digs in the middle of the field. It's wide open Two of these. The the, the throw to Cooper on the left side is as easy of a gimme bucket throw as you can get. If you can process it and you can see it. But if he doesn't see it, like it appears to be the case here and he's kind of locked in on Slayton. Well, you can make that throw once you hitch to Slayton as well, because there's enough space to rip that into Slayton as well in the middle of the field here. And this is just this should be just like a. Gen- this this should be like a year one thing where you get down in your second half of your year one it can't be year three and he's just
1: so slow to process these types of
2: these types of plays that are open and it it's it, it's frustrating man it's frustrating to watch I'll be honest with you
1: with this one play and it's I believe it's Evan Ingram who's running the the bender that you're referring to okay it's tough if to see 83-88, but yeah yeah. Or 86, his, 88. yeah I got you I would be a little bit more critical if his eyes were at pharaoh Cooper initially but his eyes kind of go to Alex Singleton. That's the player that he's reading as Kenny Galladay expands. He wants to read Alex Singleton, see how far he expands, see if he can get him beyond that number, beyond the numbers on the field to where Evan Ingram kind of just bend right in front of the safety. But then you have TJ Edwards, who's also covering Saquon Barkley, kind of in the throwing area. And Singleton kind of reads the route, reads... Daniel Jones and then flows underneath that play now if you look on the other side of the field Pharaoh Cooper's bending around his apex defender Avante Maddox he's open but Daniel Jones isn't looking in that direction so I'm not as critical about this play because his initial read was towards the boundary side and not the field side and I believe the field side was much more open than the boundary and he saw Singleton flow Inward underneath Evan Ingram, which gave him the impression, "Hey, I have space to run the football because there's nobody in the flat." And he did so, picking up 14 yards.
2: Yeah, I just feel like it's got to be read quicker, but I I, I get it. Uh, the next the next one wasn't great either. He was late uh, late on the throw over the middle to Galladay. If he throws this ball in front of him with anticipation, it's at least a six yard game. But he also misses the back shoulder on the wheel to Myrick here. In my opinion, um, what did you make of this play? The first and ten uh, from the Philly 19 after it.
1: Yeah, so you have Daniel Jones kind of just typical drop back here, hits his back foot. It would have been something to, to hit Myrick on the back shoulder. I think that's something that he probably could have done, and it seems like – I think that's Darius Slayton who's coming over the middle of the field. He's running directly out of safety. It's a very tight window, but it's something he probably could have pulled the trigger on, and I believe it's actually Evan Ingram. We're making that mistake a lot here. But I don't really consider it something egregious on his part. He just tries to fitting it fit it into Galladay, who's against a – a linebacker here, he kind of puts it on the, on the out on the inside shoulder where he probably should right. put it on the outside shoulder a little bit. So the ball placement isn't great there, but in terms of not throwing the football to uh, Evan Ingram, I, I can see where he was coming from. Cause Evan Ingram was bending right into the safety. It's just, I mean, th- these are like
2: five yard throws. The ball placement really shouldn't be behind in my mind. It's gotta be better on these types of throws. These are not difficult throws to make. So it's, mm-hmm. it's tough. I mean, when he's not, when he's missing these throws and missing a lot anticipation wise, and obviously the placement in the red zone hasn't been great. We, you know, there's, it's, it's a struggle, man. There's not enough. He's doing well right now on film. Um, we can talk a little bit less though about that. I mean, it's just, it, the problem is it's littered throughout both of our notes and we got to be honest about the situation right now that they're mm-hmm. in. Um, and then, but I would, I do want to talk about the second and 10, because I thought this was an excellent play call by Freddie kitchen. Second and 10 Philly, 19 you're in the red zone. It's tough to score in the red zone for the giants. They can't run block. They can't throw in the red zone. So what does he call a design quarterback draw? And, The execution's really freaking good here, man. Price gets to the second level, seals and executes his block. All they need is Saquon Barkley to lay one good block in his life here at the second level or just stand in front of the guy. And Jones is probably scoring a touchdown here. Instead, Barkley totally whiffs and the play's blown up for just a two-yard gain. It really sucked to see this whiff by Barkley. I I was hoping he could execute this play
1: yeah Barkley whiffed Will Hernandez didn't do a good job it was kind of collective between both of them just not executing their blocks and this ends up going for two yards instead of what could have been like a 10-yard game I'm imagining I'm imagining that Daniel Jones probably slides once he gets past Billy Price and that safety block probably comes down on him at least I would hope because he's suffering these injuries and at this point he already suffered the injury that he suffered in this game
2: yeah, it's fair. I've seen him in, in those spots though, just run head first and try to get into the end zone. So who knows with Daniel Jones and it would have been an interesting thing to play to see. Third and eight play. Thought Jones did a great job holding the safety here, Nick, but the ball placement is really subpar on this throw to Galladay. I mean, you've got to put that thing high, back shoulder by the pylon, give him a chance to to reach over, you know, reach up and, and catch that football. Instead, he puts it inside to the point where Galladay has to like put his hands over the defensive back in a spot he's just never going to make the catch in and obviously as we see you know as the play bears out it's a it's an incomplete pass
1: yeah slay is an excellent coverage here too on Kenny Galladay this would have been a tough play even with elite ball placement for Galladay but this is why you brought Galladay in he wins these types of situations traditionally but this ball is not well thrown and neither was the other fade ball that Galladay sees a little bit later in the game
2: yeah, you do see him make those plays, though, on his Detroit tape. That's the thing. Like, got to at least give him a chance to make this yeah. catch in my mind. And there's just no chance with this ball placement, unfortunately. So the Giants settle for three here. Another one of these drives where they go pretty far down, but they can't find a way to cash in on it. All right, let's dive a little bit into the next series. Uh, So what, is, what was something you, you wanted to touch on from this third series?
1: Well, this is something that Jason Garrett has done a lot in the past as well. You will line up in 12 personnel, Daniel Jones under center to start a drive, try to sell the run. And then you just kind of go into max protect with two receivers running a route. And you try to look to see what the safety is doing. Daniel Jones does that. He goes into a five-step drop. I think he does a great job stepping into the pocket, waiting for the routes to develop. He reads the, I would say the the weak side safety kind of comes down on Kenny Galladay and eliminates his curl. But Darius Slayton, nobody goes to him. And Darius Slayton just kind of sits in between number three and the, and the strong side safety, and he's wide open. And Daniel Jones finds him and rips a really nice ball, good velocity into that area. And I also like how Freddie Kitchens had Evan Ingram blocking initially and then releasing into the flat because that expanded number three, the cornerback, towards the flat, giving more space to Darius Slayton here for this uh, little curl route. Yeah, no doubt about it.
2: It was an excellent play uh, from the Giants there. I want to see. I want to get your take on the next play, the one where
1: I think Barkley didn't do
2: a good job. Uh, well, Barkley could have driven forward for five or six instead of ultimately getting two on this one.
1: Yeah, I love this, Dan. This little power gap. You have Billy Price block down on the two technique, and you pull Will Hernandez, and then you have a double team on the three technique to the front side with Matt Skura and Andrew Thomas. So you're in shotgun, you do zone read, and then it's just Saquon Barkley follow Will Hernandez. Will Hernandez pulls and he just takes out Avante Maddox here. But Saquon Barkley tries to cut back. And I'm not really 100% certain why he was cutting back because TJ Edwards was unblocked and he was standing there the entire time. I felt like if Barkley kind of followed through the ass of Andrew Thomas and kept following Will Hernandez, he probably could have had a nice game here. But instead, he tries to get cute and ends up getting tackled for two yards instead of what, like you said, could have been a five to six yard gain, could have even been bigger than that, if we're going to be honest
2: without the two the, without the thirty two yarder and the two runs where he got five and five, where he kind of like did decide to just get vertical and slam into the line and got five on each, he had, I think it was uh, ten carries for negative two yards. I think it we're neg- negative, yeah, negative two yards, I believe. So just really didn't get anything going on the vast majority of these carries. And it was just one of those games. There was something nice on that third and seven, though, really nice design with the bunch look to get John Ross the free release. You know, you, the safety can't come down in time, nineteen yard gain. Anything to make of that one?
1: Yeah, that that was just an excellent play. And this was a cover zero look right here. So cover zero, because I've seen this on the timeline before, cover zero is when it's an all-out blitz and there are no safeties to cover at all. So it's just one-on-one. Everybody's in a one-on-one matchup and everybody else is blitzing. So Daniel Jones does a good job staying in the pocket here and waiting for John Ross's underneath route from the bunch to kind of clear the the release of Evan Ingram. And then in doing so, Evan Ingram kind of creates a pick because he has Avante Maddox on him. He runs a deep dig route. It's kind of like a drive type of concept, right? So he's running that deep dig type of route, but in doing so, he creates a pick essentially on 23 to safety who is in man coverage on John Ross who just runs the drag route. Daniel Jones recognizes this right off the bat, hits his back foot, Patient enough, and that just fires the football before taking a hit. This is a nice play by Daniel Jones against Cover Zero. A lot of teams are like to send Cover Zero against quarterbacks like Daniel Jones, and if he was going to play Miami, he would have saw that a ton against Brian Flores in that defense. So I thought this was a good play to pick up. What was it, nineteen yards? against a team that wanted to be a little bit aggressive against Daniel Jones. And this wasn't the only time the Giants used this play, this drive series play. They also found Darius Slayton a little bit later in the game for I think it was a 17 or 18-yard catch with the same play call. Yeah,
2: for sure. Uh, example in, later on this drive where Stick's gone wrong, second and nine from the Philly 39, 12.45 in the second quarter. Jones kind of locks in here on the on the quick stick to – Cooper, and that ball could have been picked. I mean, the the linebacker drove on the ball, tipped it up in the air. Giants were lucky to then catch that and come down with it, keep the drive alive. One thing I noticed on this play, if you look, that uh, Galladay gets a really nice release off the corners press and gets open kind of on that skinny post in the seam, but uh, Jones doesn't see him, and the ball's already out anyway to, to Cooper here
1: yeah the ball's already out so i don't really blame jones as much for this because again like we've talked about the stick concept you want to look pre-snap do i have leverage is that covering player inside of where my offensive wide receiver is and he is you can see i think it's tj edwards again he's on the hash whereas pharaoh cooper's about three yards off the hash so he has the space he has the leverage there so once pharaoh cooper goes into that break You can see Edwards knows this is coming. He reads it a little bit, but Daniel Jones still fires and throws the football. What I'm curious about is, does Kenny Galladay win this cleanly inside if Daniel Jones doesn't throw this football? Because it seems like Maddox maybe sees the throw as he's kind of getting hit by Kenny Galladay, but I do believe Kenny Galladay probably just won this rep with just pure physicality here, just tossing Maddox aside. You have a safety driving downhill on Kenny Galladay, but... This is the the problem with stick when it's used a little bit too often, Dan, is these teams start to anticipate it. And then we saw that a lot with Jason And It seemed like TJ Edwards did a good job anticipating it here, and the Giants are lucky this didn't end up being an interception.
2: And I think that's a big problem right now with the Giants offense in general. It's, you know, just as you said, teams have seen too much of it on film. So they're at the point where they can't, even if we have the leverage free snap like you saw there, they had good leverage to throw that pass you're still going to see examples like this one where, you know, the the linebacker has seen it enough on film and he just drive on the ball. The Giants are lucky to get away with this one without an interception and actually a gain. Anything else on this drive you wanted to go over before diving into the next drive?
1: Yeah, the play before that, actually, first and 10, it was a Devontae Booker run. Yo, we saw counter again, man. I feel like we haven't seen a lot of counter this year, and it was like the staple of Jason Garrett's offense last season, but this was a first and 10 run play. It was the play before the one we just broke down, counter run with the sniffer and the backside guard pulling. you love to see it, but man, Will Hernandez gets beat so badly here. And somehow Devontae Booker ends up getting a yard here, but this should have easily have been a loss of like four yards. Chris Myrick, who was pulling to be the lead blocker for Booker on the counter run, ends up taking 93, who beats, I think it's Milton Williams so cleanly, beats Hernandez so cleanly on this play. But I do like the fact that you're seeing counter a little bit more because we haven't seen it as often as we did last year.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, All right, Nick, how about... Let's go to that next series then. Let's go to that next series. I was just looking at my notes. I want to start with
1: the 32-yard run by Barkley. Yeah, so this is a 32-yard run by Saquon Barkley. You have Chris Myrick, who's an H-back, and he's basically – just being a lead blocker, picking up the linebacker. And, and Saquon Barkley does a good job following him. And the Giants use the aggressiveness of Fletcher Cox against him. He kind of penetrates up through the B-gap. Will Hernandez just washes him down the line of scrimmage. So you basically have Saquon Barkley, who's following a lead blocker, the sniffer. And Saquon Barkley does a good job reading the two blocks that climb up to the second level. And then he feels it out and presses outside. I and mean, then just outruns number 28. Outside, And I felt like this was a good vision by Saquon Barkley to find that cutback lane and then spring a large run here. And it was a different type of play design because they did have Chris Myrick pulling from the H-back position to be a lead blocker to pick up that Mike Linebacker.
2: Yeah, it just seems like the Giants haven't been able to pop as many of these as we want, but this was obviously a nice one. Um, I thought the first and 10 at the Philly 41 with 924 left in the second quarter was a great adjustment. Uh, By John Ross on a poorly, really poorly played slant from Daniel Jones behind Ross, but great catch gets the giant second short man Ross got 11 snaps this game. I tweeted about this earlier today, Nick. I don't get it, man. I really just don't get it. Ross to me impresses every time he's on the field. The one game he played a lot of snaps against the Saints. They opened up the offense. They took a deep shot to him. I said after that game, they should take one deep shot to Ross every first quarter just to keep the defense on the toes, just to keep the safeties back. And they're not doing it, man. They don't play Ross enough. I think that Ross should move way up the depth chart. For me, I would put him, uh, honestly, I'd put him number three after Tony and Galladay at this point.
1: What about when Shepard's there?
2: Fine. Four after a healthy shot for sure.
1: Yeah. He I don't think him you just use him them. offense. Yeah, you just use them situationally too. Like you said, you use them on that shot play. You don't have to make it as predictable because you can use them on a slant flat here. This is a slant flat concept. This is something that we've seen so many times through Jason Garrett's time here with the New York Giants. And he wins off the line of scrimmage and it seems like the cornerback has inside leverage. It doesn't matter. This is a very crisp cut you watch the cut from John Ross here, it's very crisp. He kind of shortens his stride a little bit, and once he plants that outside foot in the ground, he's turning, and the cornerback has no chance to kind of close with there. He has to swivel his whole hips, open his gate. It's a very nice route by John Ross and not a great throw from Daniel Jones. But I do like how they sprung a big run here, right? 32 yard run. And then what do they do? They come out, they pass 14 yards to Kenny Galladay. And then they pass again on first down nine yards to John Ross before they run the football for a nice six yard game by Devontae Booker on second and one.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about that. All right. Anything else from this fourth drive that stood out to you? That was kind of all I had that I wanted to go
1: over. Yeah, not really, man. I mean, they tried to run the football on first and 10 again, and it was a negative one yard loss because Derek Barnett just beats Chris Myrick really bad. It seems like Saquon Barkley maybe could have hit the A gap because you have Billy Price against Singleton there with a double team block on on the three technique, but he tries to follow Elijah Penny here because it's eye formation. And this is one of those things where I wish Saquon Barkley just said, okay, there's nothing going on towards Elijah Penny. I'm going to abandon where this run is supposed to go and find that cutback lane. Cause you could see there's a cutback lane there. If he runs off the butt of Billy Price and cuts back. And if that if Will Hernandez is able to hold 93's block or even wash him down the line of scrimmage that could be a huge cutback hold there, but he doesn't feel it at all. And that's just something and I know it's uh you know me sitting on a couch basically saying oh you should have done this, should have done that. And I don't really want to be that kind of guy here. But we see this pretty consistently with Saquon Barkley and I just feel like he stuck with the construct of the run a little bit too much in this game sometimes especially when it wasn't there and it was very obvious it wasn't there once he got the football because myrick gets beat so badly and you have four defenders with uh three giant blockers in that area yeah i think
2: you nailed it on this one it's just too a little bit too consistent right now with with saquon from what we've seen all right let's dive into this fifth series because this was a more exciting one the giants moved the ball all the way down the field there was a couple really good things to start with in this drive. Um, I love the third and seven call by Freddie Kitchens uh, with 9.55 left in quarter three. The screen call here to Booker, Eagles sent five blitzers works perfectly. And Booker just one thing Booker does a really good job of. In addition to as a running back, is just getting skinny after he has the ball in space. That's something that I always see to do a really good job of. He almost gets skinny enough here to crease through. He just slips up, but he almost turns it into a really big gain. And then just a great job on that second and seven, a few plays later from the Philly 26 by Jones to step up in the pocket and find Slayton on that crosser for a huge first down here. Uh, that was the good that I wanted to talk about. I didn't want to talk about the bad too, and get your takes on those plays too. The first and goal from the Philly nine with uh, with seven forty seven in the third quarter. They tried the draw again with Jones, and this time it just it wasn't Barkley blowing a block. It was Hernandez letting Cox come all the way across him. It was Thomas losing the edge and Price not stealing at the second level. This was just a concoction of bad run blocking here on that one. And then finally, the second and five from the Philly five with seven zero two in quarter three. Man. Ball placement here by Jones to Galladay on this one-on-one. It's just not good. Again, you have to – give Galladay a chance to make this catch. He doesn't give Galladay a chance to make this catch at all with the ball placement. These are not difficult throws. These are really short throws. Jones should have these throws down, man. And if he can't make these throws, they should just run like a skinny post to the back of the end zone and just kind of to the back line and just kind of let Jones rip it. Because I know he can do that. He can rip that ball, but it doesn't seem like he's throwing these fades with good placement all season now. And this was just another example of that. So any thoughts on those plays or anything else you wanted to bring up.
1: Yeah. We saw some jumbo and we, I think it was a loss of four, which is unfortunate because whenever they bring out this jumbo package with Matt pair as the big tight end, it doesn't seem like they're establishing the run as well as we would imagine with a tackle playing tight end. We also saw on the second and 10 early in the drive after Or Yeah, it was after the the, um, halfback screen of Saquon Barkley that went for no gain. I love the halfback screen on third and seven, by the way, by Devontae Booker. You brought that up. Second and 10 empty, and it was stick to Evan Ingram. He had great leverage. So we brought up stick a little bit earlier where they had leverage pre-snap and then it was covered where they didn't have leverage and they hit it and now they had leverage and it wasn't covered by the philadelphia eagles on that second and 10 play and i also love what they did and they ran this play i want to say three or four times in the game to the three wide receiver side you have the number three wide receiver just run a flat and then you have two slants going inward from the number one and the number two receiver and then you have the stick and the vertical to the two receiver side. And I think this is important because they're man and zone beaters built into this play call. Because if it is man coverage, that number three receiver running to the flat should be open with two receivers crossing to create traffic. So I like that fact that it has that man beater. And if it's zone, there's going to be throwing windows with both of those slants. It doesn't necessarily have to be always a man or zone. That doesn't have to be the decision. You can also just throw the stick if it has the leverage. And that could be your first read pre-snap to post-snap. You read the stick. It's not there. Diagnose if it's man or zone. Okay, it's man. Throw the number three flat. Okay, it's zone. Wait for one of those two receivers to cross into a throwing window. So I like the fact that there's a lot of contingencies built into that simple play call out of empty for Daniel Jones.
2: Yeah, I I still stand by it. I like Daniel Jones out of empty. I think he's he's sometimes at his best, most of the time at his best out of an empty. And it's, it's it's really nice. I've read, you know, and I've heard and I've read and I've studied and I've seen a lot of people believe like for young quarterbacks going empty is a really nice way for them to kind of, especially if you use preset motion to diagnose the defense and get themselves into a favorable uh, position to throw the ball. We saw him rip a nice ball to, to Galladay out of empty later in this game, which we'll
1: get to. So some good plays there.
2: Uh, Anything else on this fifth series before we turn over to the next series?
1: Yeah, the third and five play that Evan Ingram gets held on. I, I thought this was a good read from Daniel Jones as well, because it's a three by one set. You have the running back offset to the one receiver side, which is a tight end who is kind of just inside the numbers and I thought Evan Ingram runs a really really good route here stutters his feet makes that cornerback kind of hesitate but what Daniel Jones is tasked to do is he's going to read that apex defender who is inside of Evan Ingram and you can watch this play you see him rotate towards the middle of the field towards Kenny Galladay who's the number three receiver in the three by one set which gives Daniel Jones the impression that there's going to be an open window once Evan Ingram comes out of the break and that's exactly what happens because Alex Singleton the underneath defender is paying attention to Saquon Barkley who's on that same side Side as Evan Ingram, as we just went over before. So Evan Ingram goes into a stutter and he comes across the field and the cornerback just kind of hugs him and drags him to the ground. I thought that was a good uh, defensive pass interference call there to put the ball at the one yard line to set up the Chris Myrick most difficult, easy catch to ever exist in the National Football League touchdown.
2: Yeah, it was really a great way to describe that, Nick. I can't, Jones put that in a good spot, and he turned that into one of the most ridiculously difficult circus catches you can find. Luckily, he caught that though, um, because the Giants needed it. You don't want you don't want to see this offense ever get into second and third and goal where they've <laughs> no. been this year. Um, and next series, obviously, is kind of just ruined by that slate and end around. I don't really think there's too much to touch on from this series. Anything you wanted to add there?
1: Yeah, just on the screen know who is the receiver. I mean, that's just a miscommunication. Right. That kind of stuff can't happen, man. You, you practice so much, you know, the playbook, you can't have this many communications, but these things tend to happen when you have a bunch of new players in the lineup, like Pharaoh Cooper. And I don't know if Cooper was the one to make the mistake here, but when you kind of continuously rotate players in and out of your lineup due to injury, you're going to have miscommunications like that second down play.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. And then you have the next series where it's kind of another, you know, this was a, this was a bad time for the giants offense in this game. They had that drive rune and then they go three and out again, the second and nine from their own 26 in the fourth quarter, 14, 13 ball placement, just not good here on this slant to Galladay. This is just not where you, where you want to throw this football. It's a really poorly placed ball. And again, like there's too many examples in this game of poorly placed balls on really simple throws, like the red zone fades, the slants, the crossers; these are all five to ten yard throws in depth, and you just you got to have better ball placement. This was never an issue for Jones in his rookie season. I don't really know why it is now, or what what happened in regards to that. Maybe he just feels a little bit more pressured and less confident in his line. All of that's possible for sure, but you just can't miss throws like that. And then the third and nine, Skura just gives up a really. Bad pressure here. I mean, it's early pressure. Jones bails, right? The uh, You know, again, like you want to see him step up or reset the pocket because he's not a good thrower on the run, Jones. But it's so hard to blame him for a play like this, right? Like scourge just gets beat so cleanly and so early.
1: Yeah, so cleanly, so early, and Jones just ends up taking a huge shot from Josh Sweat because he holds onto the football a little bit too long, but there was nothing going on downfield. And the second and nine play was the same play we just went over, the two slants going inside, number three receiver heading to the flat, stick concept to Evan Ingram, and he had the slant. I mean, there's a huge throwing window because Singleton expands laterally way too far to account for that flat route, and there's a huge throwing window, but Jones just, just was not great with his ball placement on that play.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, to be fair, it's really bad ball placement so when you consider the window and, you know, the, the ease of the throw, it just can't miss throws like that. It's not, you can't draw, you can't move an offense when you miss throws like that. So that'll be, have to be cleaned up. Let's get to this eighth series where the Giants started to get a little something going here. Um, at least more than these last two series is. So I like the second and six. The first one I'm to go over is from their own 13 with 939 in the last quarter, the second and six. I like the Orban motion here with a quick hit. Um, I just kind of wish this play was designed for either Tony, if he's healthy or if Tony's out, John Ross, like I don't need this going to Farrell Cooper. I don't understand all the snaps for Eric Cooper in this game, man.
1: There were a lot of snaps, for Farrell Cooper in this game. And you're right. I would much rather see John Ross here than Cooper, but Cooper must be doing something at practice to impress. I'm not really hundred percent certain why he's playing significantly more snaps than someone like John Ross. But I mean, I, I do like the play design and this is a play design we have seen before from, Jason Garrett to Kadarius Tony, getting him into space. And kind of like what we talked about earlier, you want to get Saquon Barkley into space. You want to get Kadarius Tony into space, but I guess you also want to get Farrell Cooper into space. But either way, I do like the fact that you have two wide receivers stalk blocking and then the next closest defender is inside the hash once he catches the football. Yep.
2: And then one play I wanted to go over with you because, we unfortunately, it's been a podcast with not too much good on the quarterback front. I thought there was a really good play by Jones in this game. I thought it was the best play by Jones in this game. It was the third and three with 8.54 in the fourth quarter, a few plays later from their own 16. This is what I want to see more of. I want to see a combination of what I saw on this. One, anticipation. Anticipatory throwing leading the receiver and I need to see this a lot more often Then, two, doing a good job of manipulating the second level defenders with your eyes. I thought Jones did a great job manipulating this again. This one's out of empty something he's been comfortable and better in and I think he does a great job manipulating that second second level linebacker with his eyes and that opens up the slant for Galladay and he throws a really nice ball here. It's anticipation. It's an anticipatory throw. It's throwing him open instead of th- instead of waiting for him to get open, then throwing in the ball, which has been a problem for Jones. And I, I just wanted to point out one of the good things that Jones did on this in on this game uh, in this game and on this drive.
1: Absolutely. And what's the play call, Dan? Number three to the flat. Number two, number one slant stick from Evan Ingram, vert from the boundary receiver. It's the same play call we've been going over. And if you look at Daniel Jones initially pre-snap, he has the leverage of the stick route to Evan Ingram. You could see Alex Singleton. He's inside. And watch how Daniel Jones flashes his eyes in that direction. And I felt like the Eagles defense did a good job accounting for this. They've seen this formation. They know what's coming. Number 28, who's originally in a too-high safety look, drops down aggressively over the top of Evan Ingram. And I feel like Daniel Jones saw that right when he caught the football. He saw the momentum of 28 head towards... Evan Ingram. So he just transitions towards the three receiver side and waits for the expanding linebacker. I believe it's TJ Edwards to cover that flat route, just like we saw before. And then he waits for Kenny Galladay to go into that throwing window. And as Kenny Galladay goes into the throwing window, he puts the pass right on him. And Kenny Galladay, man, he he could add a huge play here if he was able to break this safety's tackle, but he just gets tripped up and ends up gaining a good 18 yards here. But this is another like you said, man, good play from Daniel Jones. There was processing here. There was patience, and there was an anticipatory throw. Yep,
2: exactly. You did a great job breaking it down, Nick. And that Anything else from this
1: eighth series you wanted to go over? Oh, man, we saw the out-and-up play on the second and 10. I think that's with 350 left. And this is a play that we've seen from Jason Garrett as well in the past. But this time... I felt like Freddie Kitchens and I don't think I've seen this exact play, but it's a concept that they use. They use the number two receiver to run an out and up. And what that does here is that expands Avante Maddox, the nickel defender outward laterally. And what Freddie Kitchens did is he releases Saquon Barkley kind of to replace Pharaoh Cooper's initial spot in the flat. And if you look, Saquon Barkley is wide open for a little bit. He takes a shot, but you also have Pharaoh Cooper who's coming open here. So, what the Giants did here is they put Devontae Maddox into conflict because they clear out number three, that cornerback, with Darius Slayton. So, Bonte Maddox is going to lose no matter what here. Either he's going to cover Saquon Barkley who's heading into the flat, or he's going to expand with Pharaoh Cooper. And the safety is nowhere. Anywhere near either of these players, So I felt like this was a good play call and a good adjustment that we saw from Freddie Kitchens here to incorporate a receiver from the backfield running to replace Faro Cooper's out and up.
2: Yeah, definitely a good example of Kitchens making his mark in this game. Anything else from this series? I'm kind of those are kind of the plays I had circled.
1: I mean, it was good to see them move the football. One thing I will say is I felt like they the Giants started off aggressive, throwing a lot on first down, and then they kind of bogged down. I felt like on this drive to set up the field goal, they did a solid job using the play action and not being uber conservative and just resting on the three-point lead that they had. So that's one bit of, hey, look, they can be a little bit aggressive at times. I will tip my cap to that, but we need to see this a little bit more often. And it just also sucks that the giants end up taking a false start to kind of knock them out of contention to, to pick up a touchdown on this drive. They have to stop uh, just committing dumb penalties in in situations like this.
2: Okay. Yeah. I could agree with you on that. That's obviously a bad false start that kind of hurt them and bogged them down. All right. Final series. This one felt a lot like that Washington football series in week two really didn't seem like the giants are too interested in getting a first down more interested in keeping the clock running. The third down call is just total trash. You cut off half the field. You take the sack. I get it, but there's nothing open there. I don't even understand the concept and design of the play. You're in third and 10. If you don't believe in your offense, try to get a first down. I mean, first down can win this game. A couple first downs can win this game. You don't even try to do that. and You need to rely at the end on, you know, a drop pass from Jalen Rager in the end zone instead of trying to get the first down to win the game. Eerily similar to me, this entire drive to that Washington game, didn't like the first Two down calls, hated the third down call. Anything here to add? I mean, do you see it the same way, kind of a deja vu from that Washington game?
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, they were just forcing Philadelphia to burn timeouts here and they want to roll Daniel Jones in these situations. If they're going to throw the football, you have Kenny Galladay run a curl, Then nothing's open for Daniel Jones, but you get him out of the pocket just so he doesn't get blindsided and he's running away from his blind side here. And he's not necessarily a quarterback that you necessarily want to be rolling and throwing the football like we've been talking about. So I don't really think this play had much of a chance of success here. And it's evident that the giants coaching staff is conservative. Yes. It's also evident that they don't trust their offensive line for, you know, good measure, obviously. Why would you? And it's also kind of, you know, there's, there's bits and pieces where you can read into this saying they don't really trust their quarterback fully either. Yep.
2: I mean, I don't know if it's the quarterback. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who's to blame here, but all I know is this is not a recipe for winning football games. You got to try to get the first down there for getting the first down wins the game and that's just not something they did here but luckily the defense bailed him out we'll talk a little lot about that on the defensive podcast let's turn things over now to the superlatives for this game nick
1: give me your unheralded player of the game i'm gonna have to say john ross which i'm sure is the same one as you and he only played 11 snaps like you said but i felt like his contributions with the limited snap share was something that stuck out to me and there wasn't a lot of offensive players that really we're like, oh man, you know what? No one's talking about that guy. That guy had a great game. Like a lot of the offensive linemen were hit or miss. A lot of them had some egregious snaps. Some of them had some solid ones. So I don't really feel like there was a one particular offensive player that you could circle and say, oh, that guy had an excellent game.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's two exam There's two probable players. You wrote them both down. It's John Ross who I'll give it to, but I think case can be made for Chris Myrick, right? Like comes off off the practice squad, makes a couple huge plays, and uh, obviously the touchdown catch as well. So I think it could either of those two.
1: Yeah, Myrick, Myrick, I I wrote him down, but there were also plays where he was just blown up in the run game and it's like, oh my God, this guy can't block for crap. So, but I think the story of Chris Myrick uh, definitely is an unheralded story. So it's definitely a, a player to consider for sure.
2: Sure. Give me a best route run in this game from you.
1: I think it's that John Ross route where he where he released – I broke it down a little bit ago – where he released off the line of scrimmage, stuttered his steps, and was just so smooth in and out of his break to catch the slant that was kind of poorly thrown from Daniel Jones. Okay. I'm going to go with the Kenny Galladay
2: route, uh, second-to-last play of the third drive, beginning quarter, second – the one we talked about earlier with uh, Farrell, where he throws the the quick concept to Farrell Cooper that almost gets intercepted, tipped up in the air. Galladay just destroys his the the press coverage from the corner and just has a really nice physical move. To kind of create a lot of separation. You could see on the on the film when you slow it down, that corner just kind of gets broken by Galladay on this route. And there's some fun nuances to Galladay's game when you when you kind of watch him and you sit there and kind of break down some of his plays. But that in some of the passes he doesn't even get thrown to. So this was just one I thought was fun. Give me the best throw of the day from you.
1: So it's more so the context of the play rather than the throw, but I'm gonna go with that third and seven drive concept, 1421, quarter two. Because it was a cover zero rush. We've seen Daniel Jones have happy feet in the past and kind of be altered by the pressure. Like when you're playing Madden and you're playing with a not so good quarterback and you just bring the blitz and you just, you know, overthrow the receiver by 15 yards. We've seen those types of things happen with younger quarterbacks didn't necessarily happen on this play at all. He stuck in there and he hit the receiver in stride. I believe it was John Ross on this one play and it wasn't an excellent throw by any means, but it was a lot of poise and I like the fact that he wasn't deterred by the pressure. Yeah.
2: I'm going to go with the rip to Slayton on the deep curl. Like you said, we've seen this concept a lot, the max protect, but good velo on this ball from Jones, probably his best, the best actual throw of the day, just from a pure throwing standpoint. Um, not too many, obviously, for either of us to choose from in this game, unfortunately. Best play call for you in this game.
1: So I'm going to let you take the obvious one. I'm going to go with the third and seven screen, 9.55 in quarter three to Devontae Booker. It was to the side of the Blitz, and it picked up a very pivotal first down. So that's the one I'm going to go with.
2: And I'm obviously going to take the flea flicker tight end screen. That was a really great call. I love the design of it, like I said, with those second-level defenders kind of rushing back into deep coverage, expecting the deep throw off the flea flicker. Whoops, it's a tight end screen with blockers ahead of them in so much space. Just awesome design. That's one I hope they continue to go back from. Maybe not this very next game, but in a game or two. You know, keep throwing that in, mix it in. Uh, best player overall, this is an interesting one because I think uh, not there weren't too many good players here in this game, too many plus players.
1: One more play call I want to just acknowledge because yeah, it. it was one that they, they called earlier in the game. We talked about it. It's a similar type of play call out of bunch, the drive type of concept where you have a deep dig and then you have a drag route creating a high low. It was second and seven, 826 left, third quarter, 17 yards to Darius Slayton. And I like the fact that it was called the second time against the same coverage, man coverage. And those vertical releases from the cause it's a number three receiver running the drag. The vertical releases from the number one and two receiver kind of creates a pick for that over top defender to kind of scrape over the top of both of them to kind of locate a drag route, which is one of the most difficult routes to cover in man coverage. So I I like the fact that it was called against the optimal coverage of the Philadelphia Eagles, but my best overall player, man. And I know I I think you have the same one and it's not necessarily because he played all that well is Andrew Thomas. I mean, after I watched the film, I was like, man, this guy got beat around the edge more than I remembered.
2: Yeah. He did get beat around the edge quite a bit for, for him and for what he's kind of developed into, but it's okay. He was still the best player on film. You can't really give it to any of the other linemen. Definitely can't give it to Barkley or Jones, without a doubt. Kenny Galladay, really, I can't give it to either. None of the other receivers obviously stood out. Ross didn't play enough snaps. He didn't do much. Uh, Really, when you break it all down, he's, you know, you could maybe say Booker, but that's more unheralded. And, like, Myrick more unheralded, obviously. Ross, same thing. So, best player, somebody who played the entire game, every snap. Did a pretty damn good job. I'll give it to Thomas. How about the worst player on film?
1: For me, it was Matt Man, This was probably his worst game. He was just getting just absolutely annihilated by Fletcher Cox. Very tough assignment. He was also struggling with some of the other defensive linemen of the Philadelphia Eagles that weren't Fletcher Cox. So I just did not think he looked competent. He His strength at the point of attack, he wasn't getting a lot of power through his lower body or moving bodies off the line of scrimmage. And in pass protection, he was just the bull rush really got to him. So definitely Matt Scura for me.
2: Yeah, Scarrow is in the mix for me. I'm going to give it to Solder, though. Solder just had some really bad blocks, especially in the run game, and continues to just look lost in pass protection. He's just not somebody who should be out there right now for the New York Giants, and and they're, they're trotting him out. So
1: it's kind of where they're at
2: right now. It's kind of where we're at right now. All right, give me a pass blocking grade overall for the unit 1 through 10.
1: I'm going to go with a 5.7, which is better than expected. I mean, especially early in the game, I felt like Jones had some clean pockets, except for the one early stunt where Billy Price got beat. It was a a more clean game from the pass protection than I originally thought kind of heading into the film, but it still wasn't perfect, and there were still players like Matt Skur and Nate Solder who were just absolutely terrible in certain reps. So I'm going to go with a 5.7.
2: I think that's a fair one. I'm going to give it a 5.9 here for me. I just feel like it was a little bit better than what we've seen in recent weeks for the Mm -hmm. Giants. And overall, I felt like it was a little bit above average.
1: What's your run blocking grade, though, my friend?
2: That one's going to be difficult for me to go high on. I'm going to fortunately have to roll with a 2.1 here for the run blocking.
1: Yes. That's understandable. I have a 2.9 and I even thought about maybe going a little bit higher just because I felt like Saquon Barkley left some, left some yards on the field as well. And that's something that we've said a little bit too often for somebody who was the second overall pick in the 2018 draft.
2: Yeah, that's fair too. I mean, he definitely did leave some yards on the field in this game. So I totally understand that. All
1: right. Anything else in the offense before we wrap up? No, man. I mean, I'm excited to see what Freddie Kitchens can do with a full week to prepare. He was on a short week. I don't expect him to reinvent the wheel whatsoever, but I believe the in-game play calling can improve because that's something Jason Garrett, I felt like, didn't do that great of a job. So you insert Kadarius Tony. you have a healthy Saquon Barkley, you have Kenny Galladay. I wish Daniel Jones was healthy, but we're going to see possibly a lot of aggressive and unique play calls because the giants know they're going into a game in a hostile environment with Mike Glennon as their quarterback. So I'm still looking forward to see what the offense looks like, which is sounds uh, just pathetic to be honest.
2: <laughs> no, it's not that pathetic, Nick. Trust me. It's not that bad. All right.
1: That's all we have for today on
2: today's show. We're going to break down obviously the defense next. Thank you for everybody tuning in. Have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon.